On November 22, 1963, President John F. Kennedy was assassinated in Dallas, Texas. Before the following day arrived, Lyndon B. Johnson would be president, a role he would serve until 1968. Kennedy's death was shattering for the nation, a country grappling with the Cold War, a space race, and a civil rights movement, all of which would fundamentally change the fabric of the nation. Kennedy's death was perhaps the largest landmark of them all. With the death of the president, so much changed in one single day. Walt Disney did not hear of the president's assassination until hours later. He had been in a plane nearly all day. The most significant flight took him over central Florida. Disney had been on a quest for some time now. Ever since Disneyland opened in Anaheim, California in 1955, Disney had been working toward opening a sister park meant to draw the other half of the country to his parks. The West would go to Anaheim, where would the East go? Florida became an obvious frontrunner, but the company was considering a few other spots. Quote, St. Louis, Niagara Falls, Washington, D.C., New Jersey, Colorado, and Baltimore. End quote. But Florida presented multiple options, and many of them provided a few of the factors they were searching for. Miami was calling them. Many visitors to the Sunshine State would choose Miami as their destination more than anywhere else. But Miami had a pivotal failing. It was too far away. Way down in the southern tip of the state, it would take a bit longer to reach by car down I-95. The company began to set its sights on Central Florida since the region is, well, central. The beach was its own draw, and if tourists wanted the beach, they'd go to the beach. The new Disney park would need to be an alternative and reachable from east, west, north, and south once you were inside the state. Orlando was quite literally the X that marked the spot. On that day, November 22nd, Walt saw the land in the middle of the state, and he saw promise. There's a really amazing quote from an associate of Walt's at the time, one Marvin Davis. He had helped develop Disneyland in the previous decade and developed some of the most iconic locations in the park, including the exterior of the original Haunted Mansion. He was a designer, after all, with an eye for architecture, making him an obvious man on the job as Walt laid out his future. When Walt Disney World would launch its construction in the mid-60s, Marvin was on the job as a project designer, designing the original layout for the park, the major hotels, and even the city of Epcot that Walt intended to build, which we've talked about on a previous episode. I'll include a link in the episode description. But Marvin didn't believe in this land. In a quote presented in the excellent book Walt Disney and the Promise of Progress City by Sam Genaway, a great read, Marvin is quoted as saying the following, quote, Actually, on a scale of 10, that property was a one-plus, maybe. It was just awful. It was a swamp. There was only one high spot in the whole thing, end quote. Marvin couldn't see the potential, but Walt did. Soon, Walt's company would start buying up land in ways that kept it secret what they were actually doing. False companies were created in order to buy up the land without people being able to successfully pin the Disney name to the source. There were a few different companies. Here's some of the names. Quote, Tomahawk Properties, Reedy Creek Ranch, Latin American Development and Management Corporation, Bay Lake Properties, and the cleverly named I-4 Corporation, a pun on Interstate 4. End quote. Those names can be seen now on windows in the Magic Kingdom's Main Street, honoring those early secretive business dealings. Walt didn't even want to give the new park a name at that time, calling it, quote, Project X, Project Florida, Project Summer, and Project Future, end quote. According to this book, only nine people even knew the plan was in motion. Marvin Davis called it Cloak and Dagger. 
but the plan worked. In total, Disney's money was spent on 47 transactions, some very large, some not so large. Some purchases were thousands of acres, others were just a few dozen. But by the time it was done, the total land purchased equaled 27,443 acres. A sum that Disney purchased for only about 5 million bucks. As Genaway puts it, quote, the cost was a modest $150 per acre, end quote. That's dirt cheap, to put it plainly. Walt saw Central Florida as the home of his new project, and with clever purchases and clandestine dealings, he got exactly what he wanted. But I'd bet the name of one of those shell corporations that Walt used stood out to you, especially if you've been reading the news lately. You probably have heard the name. Reedy Creek Ranch, that's what it was called back in the day. Today, and since Walt Disney World was built, the name Reedy Creek has been a part of the park's legacy and future. In the last few months, a legal battle between the governor of Florida, Ron DeSantis, and the entertainment megacorporation Disney has drawn national attention and left Floridians in a conflicted spot. The outcome is yet to be determined, but now, I believe, is a good time to equip ourselves with the facts as best as we can understand them. What is Reedy Creek, and how exactly has that creek become the focus of so much controversy in the state of Florida? Let's get into it. I'm Nick D'Alessandro, and this is Wait 5 Minutes, a podcast about Florida by a Floridian. This week, Disney and DeSantis, the history of Disney in Orlando, how Governor DeSantis found himself in a legal battle with Disney, and what that means for the future of the mega corporation in Orlando. This is a complicated story, one I found myself in the reads with, pun intended, and I thought now would be a good time to take a deep breath and dig into this story so you are equipped to understand what exactly is going on as the story continues to develop. Alright, let's start with the basics. This episode is going to get thorny, so let's start with a softball. What is Reedy Creek? Well, it's exactly what you think. It's a creek. A pretty long creek, but a creek nonetheless. If you trace a map today following the thin wavy line of Reedy Creek, you will see a winding body of water that roams throughout south central Florida through some pretty recognizable locations. It begins at the western edge of Disney World's current property, winds through the golf courses on that property, then rambles east of Animal Kingdom. From there, it goes south for some time, weaving to the west of Blizzard Beach, a water park on Disney property. It passes a few hotels until passing under Erlo Bronson Memorial Highway. That highway is named for a real man, Erlo Bronson, a state legislator from Kissimmee who knowingly sold loads of his land for dirt cheap to Walt Disney because he envisioned a future where Disney would greatly impact his hometown of Kissimmee. He was right, and the road is named for him. The creek eventually passes under I-4 and curves around the southern edge of the Disney-built city of Celebration. Then it moves southeast for some time through smaller towns south of Orlando like Poinciana. It even passes directly next to, according to my map, the Cypress Cove Nudist Resort. Soon, the creek flows into Lake Russell, a small lake south of Lake Tohopecaliga, a classic massive Orlando lake. Then, it becomes a creek for just a few moments more until flowing into the swampland of Cypress Lake, part of the Kissimmee Chain of Lakes, part of the headwaters of south-central Florida that leads directly into the Everglades. Reedy Creek, the tiny rambling water flow that became a part of Disney's entire identity, connects to our Everglades, but doesn't everything. Clearly, in the early scouting of this land, Disney locked in on that stream. Clearly, his planners liked the name of it and it stuck around. I think that that's the chicken and the egg. I believe that 
Reedy Creek came first as the name for the body of water, and then the land was named after that. If it's not the case, I haven't seen any evidence to suggest that, but it's, it's very interesting when you've got stuff in the same area that is kind of being developed and receiving its name. So I believe Reedy Creek, the body of water, was named first, and then they named the land afterwards. Anyway... It's not exactly like Reedy Creek is a central body of water or even a very big one. It just crisscrosses the land he bought. But the name stuck. Reedy Creek became the name of a very important piece of local jurisdiction. Let's get into some technical language, but go with me here. This might get a little dry. It's important. Trust me. The land around Walt Disney World is called the Reedy Creek Improvement District, or the RCID. This comes from their website, quote, In 1967, the Florida State Legislature, working with the Walt Disney World Company, created a special taxing district called the Reedy Creek Improvement District that would act with the same authority and responsibility as a county government, end quote. So, what is a county? Counties exist for very specific reasons. There are things that cities do, but not everybody lives or works or develops within the boundaries of an actual city. Many people just live within a county's jurisdiction, not a city's. And even the city answers to that county jurisdiction in some things. Counties provide municipal services, just as cities do. Providing municipal services is essential to a functioning community. So Walt Disney World's property is massive, and it's not really near any town. It's often cited as being in Orlando, but anybody who's been here knows that the city of Orlando is ways away from Disney's property. If this place was going to function, develop parks, hotels, amenities of all kinds, it needed municipal services. This is a quote from Forbes. This Reedy Creek Improvement District, quote, functions like a county government and takes care of things like roads, construction permits, fire services, building codes, water, and waste collection, among other infrastructure concerns, end quote. Now, that may not seem like a big deal, but that has a very palpable impact on residents in the area. Reedy Creek is technically in the boundaries of two counties. It, it crosses into Orange County and Osceola County. If Hypothetically, the district were not there, then the people who live in those two counties would have to pay more taxes in order to support those municipal systems. Another quote from Forbes, quote, Right now, Disney pays taxes to Orange and Osceola County, but all of the government-related services on Walt Disney World property, like fixing roads, fire department services, and more, are paid for by Disney and Reedy Creek and not by county taxpayers, end quote. In a hypothetical where Reedy Creek no longer exists, the connected counties would likely, quote, have to pay for emergency and law enforcement services that Disney previously reimbursed it for, end quote. So, Disney established Reedy Creek. They pay taxes to the counties connected for their municipal services, and the taxpayer doesn't have to pay for Disney to continue to operate the miniature city on their property. If Reedy Creek is gone, the taxpayers would have to pay more taxes to compensate for all the Disney needs. The debts that Reedy Creek has would hypothetically be forced onto the county. The revenue created by Reedy Creek, quote, won't get transferred to the counties, end quote. And the total of those impacts on the counties would result in, quote, an extra $163 million in costs per year. End quote. So if you're a resident of those counties, you would have to pay for Disney, which you don't have to right now. If a system like RCID was gone, then those funds that Disney has been paying for would go directly to residents who previously have had no part in paying for Disney. So are we good? Are you keeping up? I understand this is 
complicated government stuff, but it's important to understand what we're talking about here. The RCID does its job in principle. There's a lot more to the RCID that we're not going to get into. There were towns created that are within the district. We don't need to worry about those things. Let's keep it simple for today. The Reedy Creek Improvement District was meant to provide municipal services to Walt Disney World without additional cost to local county taxpayers. The end. Okay. Let's cut to 2022. The Florida State Legislature passed a bill that they called the Parental Rights and Education Bill. Critics of the bill quickly called it something else, the Don't Say Gay Bill. We did an entire episode on the controversial subject matter of that bill last year. I'll include a link in the episode description so you can get into the material of that bill, but let's not dwell on the thorns of that story today. What you need to know is this. NPR summarizes it as such, quote, The bill would limit discussions of sexual orientation and gender identity in schools, end quote. It was meant to ban discussion of those topics in grades where there was previously no curriculum to teach such subject matter in the first place. So basically it was restricting something that wasn't even there and it has since expanded its age range to much backlash. The bill was quickly labeled homophobic by critics and brought national attention to the Republican-controlled Florida state government, with Governor Ron DeSantis at the head. Many companies based in Florida expressed their distaste for this bill, calling it bigoted and small-minded. Employees of Disney were flocking to social media to express their disapproval and asking for their employer to speak out against the legislation. The CEO of Disney at the time was a man named Bob Chapek. He has since been replaced by Bob Iger, who is the CEO before Chapek. But Chapek followed the requests of his employees. These quotes come from an NPR article. I'll link it in the description. I'm going to include lots of links, but this Chapek quote goes as following. Chapek expressed that they didn't have a public opinion at first because they wanted to do things more, quote unquote, behind the scenes. But soon after, he amended his opinion, saying the company was, quote, reassessing our approach to advocacy, including political giving in Florida and beyond, end quote. There are numbers on Disney's political spending in 2022. These come from Politico, quote, the company gave $125,000 to the Republican Party of Florida and $65,000 to a committee that helps elect GOP state senators, end quote. There were also donations on the other side of the aisle, though significantly less in value and less direct in who is receiving the money. Quote, Disney also donated $25,000 to a leadership fund led by Senate Democratic leader Lauren Book, end quote. Both of these came at the beginning of the legislative session of 2022, the same year that there would be an election for governor. That's where Governor Ron DeSantis ran for re-election. So the Republican Party and those state senators, they were receiving funds in a year that they were running for office yet again. Now, the Don't Say Gay bill comes into law in 2022, and Disney was threatening to decrease donations, a threat which they apparently have followed through on. For some, Chapek's comments were a day late and a dollar short, but they were still said, and the Disney political donations ceased. An article in the Tallahassee Democrat written by Zach Anderson notes that Ron DeSantis' political committee received donations from Disney before their conflict began. Quote, Disney gave DeSantis $50,000 in 2019 and $50,000 in 2021. End quote. So here's where it gets tricky. There are two separate pieces of information that we have just discussed, right? You need to know what the Reedy Creek Improvement District is. And you need to know how Disney responded to the state government and Ron DeSantis over the Don't Say Gay bill. Those are, hypothetically, two different stories. But I'm sure you know there is a complicated connection between those two stories. Which brings us to this year, just a few months ago, April 26th. 
2023. The headline from the New York Times reads as following, quote, Disney sues DeSantis over control of its Florida resort, end quote. It's an astounding headline if you break down the facts. Florida's largest single-site employer suing the state governor. New York Times journalist Brooks Barnes lays it out as such, quote, Last year, under pressure from its employees, Disney criticized a Florida education law prohibiting classroom discussion of sexual orientation and gender identity for young students. Almost instantly, Governor Ron DeSantis of Florida started calling the company, quote-unquote, woke Disney and vowing to show it who was boss, end quote. DeSantis was running for re-election as governor in 2022, and picking fights to show his strength was clearly part of his strategy. Now, as he is launching his campaign for the Republican candidacy for president, Disney is punching back. That's because, allegedly, as a response to Disney speaking out against the Don't Say Gay bill, the Florida state government went after the Reedy Creek Improvement District. I say the word allegedly there from a legal standpoint. The lawsuit is still in motion and we will see how it pans out. Disney is in fact suing the state because they are calling the cause and effect of what happened political retaliation. And no one really disagrees. In every article that I read, and I mean every single article that I read, if they're talking about Disney suing the governor and the state of Florida, the first thing they mention is Disney speaking out about Don't Say Gay. These things are inherently connected in this story. DeSantis and the, and the state government is trying to push back against the lawsuit, saying that it wasn't necessarily retaliation, and that's what the lawsuit is going to sort out. But every single article, every single retelling of these events includes that it was Disney spoke out against Don't Say Gay, promised to end donations, most of which in 2022 went to Republicans, and soon after, DeSantis began lambasting the company using his favorite word, woke, as a bludgeon against them, and set his legislators after the Reedy Creek Improvement District. This is from the New York Times on the events following Disney speaking out against Don't Say Gay. Quote, Since then, Florida legislators, at the urging of Mr. DeSantis, have targeted Disney, the state's largest taxpayer, with a variety of hostile measures. In February, they ended Disney's long-held ability to self-govern its 25,000-acre resort as if it were a county. End quote. On February 27, 2023, House Bill 9B was signed by Governor Ron DeSantis. With the signing of that bill, the RCID was over, no longer self-governed, and according to the governor's website, flgov.com, the bill goes on to, quote, establish a new state-controlled district accountable to the people of Florida, end quote. DeSantis' quote on that same news release reads as following, quote, Allowing a corporation to control its own government is bad policy, especially when the corporation makes decisions to impact an entire region. End quote. He goes on to say, quote, This legislation ends Disney's self-governing status, making Disney live under the same laws as everybody else, and ensures that Disney pays its debts and fair share of taxes. End quote. Alright, so remember when all of that was hypothetical earlier, all the stuff I said at the beginning, what would happen if Reedy Creek was gone? Well, the Reedy Creek Improvement District is gone as of February 27th of this year. But is it really gone? Well, let's talk about what happened next. The RCID, technically speaking, was not actually run by Disney, but the board that runs the district is, quote, elected by the district's landowners. Disney, which owns two-thirds of the district's land, and a small number of local residents and affiliates who the company has handpicked to reside there, end quote. Disney, for all intents and purposes, picked the members of that board because the landowners are them and people they've allowed to be on the property. It's that simple. So even though the board itself is not 
made up of Disney employees, you get how it works. Now, that was about to be upended. The first change was superficial, but it's significant. It was no longer Reedy Creek. Now, it is the Central Florida Tourism Oversight District. Not quite as brisk, not quite as fun to say. And that board that was previously chosen by Disney and its residents, well, the new board would, quote, be made up of five officials who are appointed by the governor and confirmed by the state senate and cannot have worked for a company that owns a theme park within the last three years, end quote. Disney has been able to control what's built on their land and how for decades. This new board, however, would require Disney to have to get approval from this governor and senate elected board. To put it plainly, a corporate government has been overhauled by the state, and it's plainly obvious that DeSantis did it so he could handcuff Disney, who had made a public spectacle in disagreeing with the Don't Say Gay legislation. The threat of dissolving Reedy Creek, the threat that was stated in DeSantis' press statement, doesn't seem to be followed through on, however. DeSantis mentions Reedy Creek's debts, but, quote, the law does not have any impact on Reedy Creek's existing bonds and debts, which experts had warned could be pushed onto taxpayers in the surrounding Florida counties if the special district was dissolved entirely, end quote. Adding on to that, new building could be approved on the property development that seems to be aimed as a threat at Disney to back down. DeSantis in a press conference in April said the following, quote, Now people are like, what should we do with this land? People have said maybe create a state park, maybe try to do more amusement parks. Some even said maybe you need another state prison. Who knows? End quote. It was a clear threat of sorts, of a new development, and a controversial development at that. There are not a lot of tourism areas that have prisons nearby. So DeSantis elected his new board. I'll read you their names. Martin Garcia, Bridget Ziegler, Brian Angst Jr., Michael Sasso, and Ron Perry. All five of them are allies of DeSantis, conservative Republicans involved in Christian ministries or law practices, and a few of them are even donors to his campaigns. I highly, highly recommend that you look up these people's names and learn about their credentials. Many of them are involved in public debates with extremely controversial, right-leaning opinions on these topics that put them in a pretty critical spot where they are a part of an extremely controversial political move by the governor, and then they're going on the internet and saying some pretty intense things, some things that have gotten them into some hot water as well. So I highly recommend that you go to the link in the episode description from NPR that talks about the people that Governor Ron DeSantis elected to run this board and see their credentials, see who they are, see the positions that they take. Highly recommended. By spring of this year, it had become an exceedingly petty conflict in so many ways. The new board was holding meetings in March, putting things into motion, when they discovered that Disney had pulled a fast one. Quote, 19 days before DeSantis signed the final bill, the former board had signed agreements with Disney, essentially stripping the board of power and handing that power back to Disney. End quote. NPR goes on to say that the new measure, quote, allows Disney to have the final say on any alterations to the property and requires the board to inform Disney of plans for such alterations without conditions or delays, end quote. It was a clever move by Disney. If you take their board power, they'll remove the power of the board. If Disney wants to develop, they don't need to go through DeSantis's new people to get that done. That was at least the plan. According to NPR, it happened in broad daylight and no one even seemed to notice. It was a public meeting on February 8th, a little under three weeks before DeSantis signed the bill, and it didn't seem to catch anybody's attention. Which brings us back to April 26th, 2023, the day that Disney 
sues DeSantis. That very same day, Disney's sneaky little plan was struck down by the new board. It was voided on the same day, Wednesday the 26th. The new board called into question the legality of the agreement that the old board made and unanimously voted to void that agreement, bringing power back to them. Immediately, Disney filed the lawsuit, and here we are. The lawsuit reads the following, quote, The targeted campaign of government retaliation orchestrated at every step by Governor DeSantis as punishment for Disney's protected speech now threatens Disney's business operations, jeopardizes its economic future in the region, and violates its constitutional rights, end quote. The correlation is as such. Disney spoke out against Don't Say Gay, DeSantis stripped their municipal jurisdiction, replaced it with campaign donors and political allies, and the lawsuit was filed. The lawsuit calls the chain of events retaliation. And that brings us to the present. We are living in a story that's still occurring. I am recording this on Saturday, August 5th. So just two days ago by the time that you're hearing this, because I wanted to get you as up-to-date information on this as I possibly could. The board continues to run the district, though a member has changed. Michael Sasso left, now it's Carbell Barakat. I believe that's how you pronounce his name. Just last week, the board abolished diversity, equity, and inclusion programs from the district, which has been met with immediate backlash. The governor, on the other hand, is now running for president and is in even more of a national spotlight as he travels the country trying to gain support with Republican voters. Clearly, the lawsuit is weighing on the campaign. They attempted to delay the lawsuits in late June. Quote, The GOP presidential candidate's lawyers filed a motion to dismiss the case this week, and they want a judge to delay the trial until August 2025, if it is not dismissed. If granted, that would move the Disney political football well beyond the 2024 presidential election. End quote. Additionally, the governor's lawyers made a move in late July to attempt to remove DeSantis from the lawsuit, saying he's, quote, immune from being sued in the case, end quote. The governor's lawyers insinuate that the governor, though he signed the bill into law and has been a public advocate for it, is not the enforcer of the law. The lawyers said, quote, signing a law is not enforcing a law, end quote. This complaint was filed in federal court and Disney pushed back, saying that DeSantis was attempting to, quote, evade responsibility for his actions, end quote. You can tell by the dates that I'm pulling here. This story is very ongoing, maybe one of the most ongoing stories we've ever talked about on this show. We're talking updates within the last week. It is far from over, but I've been writing about Florida history for five years and I've never seen anything quite like this story. Tourism is our largest industry, and Disney is the single largest company involved in that industry. For a massive business leader to be going head-to-head -head in the courts with the governor of our state as he is preparing a presidential run, it's unlike anything I've ever seen. As has been said far too many times in the last few years, we are living in unprecedented times. Every day you open the news and you're seeing things that have never happened before. The results of this could have a massive, massive impact on the state of Florida for years to come. So keep an eye on this story. I will update you if something massive happens as best as I possibly can. But I just needed you to understand the details of this because, frankly, I've been confused by all the details of this. It's fascinating, it's complicated, and it's important because what happens from this, like I said, the consequences of it could change the shape of Florida. So what happens next? Who knows? With Governor Ron DeSantis running for president and several lawsuits on his tail, only time will tell if the political gamblings the governor placed will pay out 
or if the House of Mouse will achieve yet another victory in the Sunshine State. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Wait 5 Minutes. I am so glad that you are here, sincerely. It means a lot to me to get to talk about important stuff like this, so thank you for trusting me to help you understand this stuff because it means a lot to me, and, and frankly, it's very helpful for me as well. So thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, if you want to share this episode, it's an extremely important topic. You can follow the show on Instagram and Facebook at WFMPod, or you can send me an email at WFMPod at gmail.com. I would love to hear from you. Please reach out. Share the show. Share the show with someone who wants to know about this because, boy, howdy, it's an important topic. (laughs) So thank you for listening. I've included some links in the episode description, actually more links than I usually provide. I'll include probably a dozen or so links about this story because it's ongoing. The details are extremely complicated. You need to know them. So if you want to take some time, you can read from Forbes, NPR, New York Times, Orlando Sentinel, Tampa Bay Times. Everybody is doing some really incredible work on this. So I'll include some links so you can read even more about it and understand what exactly is going on here. All of the music used in this episode was originally composed. All right, folks, that is it for me this week. I will be back at you next Monday, August 14th, with another brand new episode. We've only got three episodes left this season, which is unbelievable to me. I'm I'm very much looking forward to the last few episodes because we've got some really exciting stuff, especially the last episode of the month. I'm, I'm actually going to be doing the interviews for the last episode of the month at the end of this week so stay tuned to WFM pod on instagram so you can see some of the posts about where i am and what i'm up to but i'm so excited for that story and i am so excited because guys october is on the horizon which means the return of wait fright minutes but let's not put the cart in front of the horse let's let's finish out this wonderful august season and then in october spooky season arrives but summer first come on concentrate concentrate Come on, let's concentrate on the end of summer. (laughs) Thank you for listening to this episode. It means a lot to me. I will see you next Monday. Until then, be good to yourself. Be good to others. Drink more water and go gator and muddy the water. Have a great week.